This is DeFi Alpha. I'm, uh, I'm co-lead at Umami Finance. Um, I'm here with our treasury manager, Carnation, as well as Halco and Mario from um, DOPEX, and really excited. Um, this is the fourth episode of Arbitrum Insider. We you know, love bringing on you know, some of the coolest, most exciting projects from Arbitrum and, and giving you know, our community and just sort of the, the broader uh, CT community a chance to learn more about um, in this case, in this case, DOPEX. Um, DOPEX is, I think, as most people know, I think if there's any name, um, any, you know, DOPEX and GMX, I'd say if there are any names people associate with Arbitrum, it would be those two. And, um, you know, I think that there's, there's a lot of really exciting stuff to dig into. So maybe just to get started, um, Halco and Mario, do you guys just want to introduce um, yourselves, what you do at DOPEX, and just kind of give a, you know, quick TLDR on what DOPEX is all about for people? Yeah, sure. So, so let's start then. So, so we are Mario and Halka. So Mario is our uh, a veteran crypto degen and our boss of uh, communications. Uh, and in general, Mario is the man who is one of like the pillars has managed to build our whole you know Dopex community and the Dopex ecosystem. Which means if you have joined the Dopex Discord like last year. I think it was like you know, spring last year, April, May, in like very, very early stage when Mario was basically the uh, the bouncer. So so he was uh, building the whole community from scratch. And I think that this wave of DGENs and the wave of uh, all those people uh, liking the blue coin with bull and then, then kind of being here and Arbitrum all together, uh, that's what Mario is responsible for. You were one Mario of the first is, members, by the way, remember? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Mario has, is most likely one of the largest backholders of the Nian con. If you remember Nian from the first days <laughs> oh, of God. RB2. <laughs> Don't do this, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Mario is the, is the Nian whale. Um, and what else can we say? Yeah, so Mario is our, our, our boss, and I kind of joined the team uh, later on. So I was initially a community member, uh, and then I joined in, in late November. Was it November? No, in late October. Uh, late yeah, October, late October, November. late November, yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and so I'm helping Mario. Uh, I do a little bit of BD, like some research ideas, explanations. You know how it is. Like, like you start the day, and uh, definitely there is something to do, and for sure, team is doing something. So, so that's the story, basically. So we've been on Arbitrum since day one, and we have been enjoying this ever since because it's pretty cool, you know. It's, it kind of feels like a neighborhood, which means everyone, I think, knows each other, uh, and it's it's pretty cool because since uh, each of the projects have just started, we are you know kind of lucky to yeah. to get in touch already with the Arbis, with Umami, with GMX, and all other neighbors. So 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 far, it still feels you know like a uh, like a kind of neighborhood crypto community, crypto neighborhood stuff like this. It's, it's a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's I think been that our experience great. as well. Um, yeah. No, I mean, you know, he, he did a great intro for both of us, so I don't know if I can add anything to that. So um, maybe, maybe, Hanko, maybe you can also kind of jump quick on what Dopex is. I think that was also one of the questions. You probably have something up your sleeve already. Yeah, I can I can say something. Yeah, so so in general, what Dopex is, it's it's 
in general, this a platform. Uh, this is the on-chain platform for options, uh, and, and that's the idea number one. And it is also the whole ecosystem about uh, about options and risk and then transferring risk and being region. So in general, our our idea is to build and deliver an options protocol that is made by DeFi users and for DeFi users, which means if you are interacting with various DeFi products every day, uh, then you have this very stark compassion saying, well, what do you see in DeFi? You may not see in like traditional finance for various reasons. Mostly it's blockchain, mostly architecture, low other, other things. So for this reason, our kind of idea, what you're thinking is that for this reason, we should be copying the ideas, options from traditional finance, but more like exploring, thinking, well, uh, for our instruments called options, uh, options allow you to, to try to offset a risk, different portion of your risk. And how can we do this so that this is accessible to DeFi users? How can we do this so that it is composable so that other protocols also can have quite simple access to options? How can we kind of allow for DeFi users to have some more control over their risk, over their risk management? And I think that's what we are trying to solve, what we are trying to build. And at the same time, we're also trying to onboard people that are new uh, to derivatives, that are new to the options, and kind of uh, make sure uh, make sure that they are not lost, they are not overwhelmed, and also that they have this good understanding uh, what the product does, uh, what are the risks, what they are doing, uh, where the yields, profits, and losses come from. So, so in, in general, we really, really want to make sure that we have a long-term uh, educated uh, community and imagine you know, the, the users that stay with us uh, for a long term. But our kind of, you know, uh, baseline is options. Great. That's that's a really helpful overview, Halko. And, you know, I think you raised some interesting points. Um, you know, I definitely love that your goal is to, you know, onboard, you know, new users, not, not just to sort of Arbitrum, but also just to the entire concept of using options as a hedging and risk management instrument in DeFi. And, you know, Umami definitely, um, you know, that's that's a, a mission that's close to our heart because we definitely want to also, you know, help invite you know, more people to Arbitrum and, and to DeFi broadly and sort of help teach them about ways that they can manage risk um, and still you know, really take advantage of all the opportunities here. I, I would be, you know, really curious just to hear from you. You know, I think that there's... Um, I've always had the sense, at least, that there's a common perception that, you know, while certain um, DeFi strats like yield farming, single-sided staking seem to be very accessible to, you know, maybe newer, you know, non-crypto native investors, investors without or, you know, um, users without a uh, financial background, I feel like options, you know, for many people, they put them in the category of sort of complex financial derivatives, you know, maybe for, for more sophisticated investors. And, you know, in my view, you know, that's, that's a shame if people think that way because they are so important um, as hedging instruments, even for someone who just wants, a, you know, very safe long-term exposure to, you know, for example, many of the, the different assets that you guys 
um, you know, provide options for. Um, but I, I'd be curious just to sort of hear from you, you know, if you were talking to sort of a new investor um, interested in, you know, getting involved in DeFi and, you know, in Arbitrum, um, what are some, you know, basic option strategies that you would recommend that they start with? And, you know, just from your efforts um, educating investors, you know, as you've been doing um, people entering into DeFi, um, what are some of the big, you know, key things that you feel like people, you know, definitely need to learn um, and that once they do, they are able to at least take advantage of, you know, certain certain simple option strategies for, for hedging. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that for both of you guys. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think that the, that the, the first answer would be that with options, there is definitely no silver bullet, right? So, so there is no one size fits all. And I think maybe we can just give a super, super quick overview what the options are for, for, for people who have had this term for a very, very first first time. So um, if you are DeFi native, then most likely you are familiar with like many concepts. So let's say you have been exactly LPing uh, or single staking or farming, or maybe you are just a DGEN and you really like to be leveraged and uh, trade perks or have leveraged positions. And in general, in, in many of those strategies, uh, many things, for example, if you're leveraged, are kind of linear, right? So if price goes up, your PNL goes up by the same ratio. If price goes down, your PNL moves by the same ratio. And there is a lot of this linearity. Uh, with, with options, it is quite interesting because in, in general, options have two participants. They have a side, one side that is buying an option and the other that is selling the option. And uh, and options are called options uh, because they are literally options. So, so if you buy the option, you are buying a right to enter into a financial transaction in the future. Uh, what does it mean? We'll just give example in a moment and if you are selling options you are selling the right you are selling the flexibility and you have the obligation to fulfill this right so so maybe let's give an example for example from like very very real life i think we have told this story once but i think it's a cool story so long 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 time ago apparently the first documented usage of options who was in ancient greece are one of the Greek philosophers, maybe it was Pythagoras, I'm not sure uh, right now, but one of the Greek philosophers um, was once thinking and pondering and observing the sky, and he came up with the conclusion that the olive harvests this year are going to be huge, like record, record high. So what did he do? He took all his savings he got from uh, educated students, and he went to the olive oil presses, and he told um, to the olive oil pressers, look, uh, I will pay you this and this money now, and then I will have the exclusive right to use your presses in the autumn during the harvests. And they're like, yeah, of course, you know, we love money up front. Of course, give us the money. And then when there is a harvest season, uh, our presses are all yours. Because they thought it would be a normal season. But yep, they... The philosopher was right, uh, the harvest was abundant, and the whole Greece was like full of olives. 
and there were huge queues to get to the presses before the olives spoil. So obviously, then the philosopher was able to tell, well, look, I have the sole right to use uh, the olive oil presses. I'm very happy to sell it to you so that you can press your olive oils, uh, but you will have to pay me extra. So, so this way, he was basically able to uh, buy the right to do something in the future. Right, so if you have if you have options, if you use options, uh, you are using exactly the same logic, which means you are buying a right to enter into a transaction where you buy or sell some instrument for a predetermined price and on the predetermined day. And given, of course, you are buying the option, you are having some flexibility. The other side is selling this. So they are foregoing this flexibility. So in order for both sides to be kind of made whole, right? So that one side is not uh, losing the cost of another, the buyer of the option has to pay the premium, which means if you want to enter into a transaction in the future and have a right to do this. So if it suits you, you do this. If it doesn't suit you, you do not. You still pay the premium for this money. And if you are a reseller, um, you earn money. You, know, you, are, you are selling your rights. You are selling kind of your uh, freedom to transact. You have the obligation to transact. Uh, you are earning money instead. And you are hoping that the guys to whom you have sold the right would never knock your doors. So, so in general, in general, I think that that's kind of the basic thing, which means there are people buying options, there are people selling options. And now maybe to give kind of a example with tokens. I think what what people love doing, they love speculating, uh, they love being vision. So so what people could do, they could for example think, okay, um I really, really feel that around around the merge if is going to be ten thousand dollars, because why not, right? People love to give these outlandish numbers. Whether they are good or not, I don't know. Uh, I guess we will see. And they think, well, uh, ETH today is $3,000. Hmm. So maybe I can buy the option uh, to buy ETH at $5,000 in a month from now. And if, for example, in a month from now we have a merge and ETH goes up to $10,000, then I have the option and if I use this option, then I can buy the option for $5,000. I can instantly sell it for $10,000 and I can lock in the profit, right? And for example, this option only would cost me $100. So, so this way, if something very unexpected happens, uh, your profit is, is very, very large. On the other hand, if nothing happens, right, we grab, uh, I don't know, maybe there is a tax season, people sell their ETH. Then the speculator has just paid a premium, uh, the option has expired worthless, and the person that sold the option is quite happy. And, and I think it's, it's what, what we can basically see right now in DeFi, that there is this popularity of, uh, of, of people selling options through various worlds, because they are hoping like, okay, I will, I will sell my options, because I do not think that a given token will reach this or that price, right? I, I hope it will not happen. And, uh, and and they do this, and they pocket premiums. Um, some people say it's a legit strategy, 
some people would say, well, that's actually a risky strategy. And on the other hand, we have people who are buying the options to, to get certain exposure. But I think when it comes to the question, what is the best strategy, I think I'm going to quote, quote the classic. So, so if you, if you had a chance, uh, if you have a chance, I think I can like uh, read one of the book by by my Taleb because the famous you know uh, philosopher slash mathematician so Nassim Nicholas Taleb is kind of like one of the modern godfathers of risk and options, and he would always say say that the best options are the ones that you get for free. So you know whenever you have some optionality. You have some rights. You have some right to choose, and someone gives give it gives it to you for free. Then go for it, and I think that's the best option strategy you can have in life. Uh, but that's broadly in life. You know, in DeFi, people love numbers. Uh, people are pretty good with numbers, so so I think you will not find anyone like giving you straight away free options. But who knows? Who knows? Um, and and then well, the other thing is, you know, we have mentioned people using options to to speculate, and that's uh that's like one group of people. But there are also people that hedge. And uh, and what does it mean to hedge? Uh, if you are like native English speaker, then uh, then when you hear hedge, you may think well, hedge is like this uh, green shrub that the British people plant instead of. Instead of fences, or you probably say hedgehog that lives uh, in hedges, but people in finance kind of took over this term uh, and they turned it into into a definition. So to hedge basically means to uh, to have insurance to kind of cover your <laughs> risk. Uh, so so you can use options to hedge, which means you don't want, for example, for like. You can use options as insurance, right? You, 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 for example, it could be farming, it could be being leveraged. Maybe you just want to insure your portfolio because you are kind of afraid of uncertainty, and you don't know what happens, right? And and if you, so you can exit the market now, but if you exit the market now, you will probably fall more back in two days after after reading Twitter. Uh, so instead, instead you can use options to buy the options uh, to buy some certain form of insurance, right? So, so this way you are kind of chipping uh, off from your profits, right? Because you have to pay some money to buy the options, but you can use them as insurance. And this way, if things do not go your way, you think like, oh, well, uh, that's fine. I'm hatched. Uh, I bought options. They work for me. I sleep well. And if things, if this event doesn't happen, you still think, well, this event didn't happen, but I was sleeping well because I was hatched. Uh, and also there is a pretty cool uh, poster on Twitter called Small Nassim, whom I recommend following because he is uh, posting a lot of funny posts uh, about this. So, so, so check him out, I think. So I think that's like yeah. optional interview. Thanks, thanks, Alko. That's, that was a really helpful interview, and I, I, a really helpful uh, overview, and I really appreciate you um, kind of breaking it down for listeners that way. Carnation, I, I saw that you uh, you had a question you wanted to ask uh, Halko and Mario, um, so by all means, curious to hear what you have to say. Carney, are you uh, able to speak? 
maybe while we while we wait, maybe I can yeah. just add real quick one thing to what Harko already said. I mean, here, he, you know, it's kind of hard to add anything to what he said because it was already very complex and uh, very detailed. But um, a good, you know, starting point to kind of just get a feel for possible strategies is also, for example, the, the recently released um, analyst series um, from our community where we have different community members kind of highlight certain tokens and possible strategies that they use themselves on uh, how to play with these tokens. And if you're left curve as I am, uh, the easiest solution is definitely using something like Dow Jones options or uh, Pluto's Dow once they launch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And I, I actually did want to ask you guys about that. I mean, one of the most exciting things about um, DocX, you know, among, among many others, is that you guys have already you know, started to create your own ecosystem effect within Arbitrum, which I think, you know, is is something we're probably going to see more and more of um, on the Arbitrum network um, as as the DeFi ecosystem here continues to grow. But you guys have definitely been sort of first movers in, you know, building this this platform that then, you know, other projects have uh, have built on top of. And so you just mentioned, um, you know, Jones Dow and, you know, curious for those who are not, uh, maybe familiar with them, um, you know, or with other projects that are sort of affiliated with you. Mythical um, is another one that I know is, um, you know, connected in, in certain ways um, to to DOPEX. Do you guys, um, either Mario or Halco, would love to you know, hear from, from both of you guys, kind of wanted to share um, with listeners sort of what, what these other projects are about and how they connect to DOPEX? Yeah, I mean, uh, I can maybe just give like a broad overview and Harko can maybe talk a little bit about Dow Jones and uh, the others. So, I mean, the, the ecosystem itself kind of sprung. I mean, you know, we didn't really plan on having an ecosystem. It just kind of happened and just kind of sprung out of this community that, that we built. And, uh, you know, people just saw that our product is, is great and you can build good things on it. And they're just starting building them, right? And um, so everybody was excited about that, definitely. So that's great. Um, you mentioned Mythical, uh, which is one of the projects that um, kind of came out of the, the, the core team of Dopex. One of our members started it or is part of it, uh, and he kind of left to kind of manage that as well. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, I would say a, a family project, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, the way that they kind of used us or, or the way that we kind of uh, worked with them was with the uh, the mint was done through uh uh, locking up your LP tokens for um, EPX WEF, right? So people uh, kind of forfeited their two weekly yield on their LP tokens, and with that yield they received, or, or for that yield they received uh, the mint, the, the NFTs. So that was pretty, pretty cool, and I think pretty novel, novel way of of doing uh, um, NFT mint. And yeah, I mean, there, like you mentioned, there's, there's Dow Jones, there's something new called Plutus. Which uh, is, I mean, they haven't released a lot yet, so we, are, I mean, we personally don't really know a lot about it yet ourselves. So uh, very excited to hear more from them there. And um, yeah, Halko, maybe you can uh, elaborate a little bit about Jones now, because I know you kind of been involved with them as well, a little bit deeper. Yeah, I think so. I think I mean, let's say, I think like very super quick pitch about Jones now would be very simple, which means. Uh, how to say this? With with Topex, 
we we went to kind of simplify the the UX for the users so, so that they do not feel overwhelmed, but at the same time we still want to make sure that they can make their decisions when it comes to what they want to do with options, how they want to use them, etc., uh, etc. Et so so on one hand we have simplified, for example, the amount of like strikes terms available, uh, because we know that that well to say this if you show a user an if option with 2500 and 2600 strike then it kind of puts users in this paralysis uh, right where they are not sure which one is different uh, and they kind of fall into these pitfalls if you instead show the users one option that is close to today's price the other is far away and the other is further away then it is already easier for users to understand okay this is here is my risk here my risk is here and my risk is here but still uh, there was a group of users that were happy to take some risk but were like happy to to go like you know speculate a little bit uh but they still thought that they actually do not really feel like pulling the trigger and 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 the People behind the Jones team, they kind of came up with this idea that, uh, well, we are very happy to pull that trigger for you. So, so Jones team has a team uh, of cons, and I see that the guys are also here on the stage. So, so shoutouts. And, uh, and and the thing is that they are thinking like, how the market looks like, uh, what is the strategy we can take, what is our risk, and what can we do with the user funds so that the risk reward would work for them and in the long term uh, the team would be looking to to generate alpha and it is quite interesting uh maybe like the broad kind of the concept is that when we go back to like like 2020 maybe last year uh in general the yield farming was from tokens right uh, a lot of yield farming was just a token subsidy which means you were able to get a token and most likely Maybe keep it, maybe sell it, maybe dump it, right? But but many, many, many of the yield farming strategies were basically speaking, um claiming the token, selling the token. Um and this is a kind of two ways of earning the actual return was one LPing, because you would collect trading fees from the users, which was very, very cool. Or going to the lending slash uh borrowing platforms where you would pretty much an interest rate because you would be lending out your your assets and these were like basically very very interesting yield ways to actually generate returns on your assets that were not subsidized and it is quite interesting because with options uh, as well a lot of the process a lot of this kind of yield return that different strategies generate basically comes from exchanging risk right so so there is no subsidy behind it there is like no farm and dump uh, these are basically people exchanging their risk so for example taking more uncertainty in exchange of, of no or maybe going the other way but but this way this kind of level of return this kind of level of yield is sustainable because these are users swapping risk so 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 we can basically this category of, of yield in the same kind of bucket as, as 
uh, return on LPing or return on lending out your assets or return on like providing your assets to, to per platforms, etc. etc. So yeah, so in general, you know, the guys are just looking to to to, to pull the trigger for you uh, on different assets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that's uh, that makes a lot of sense. And one of the things that I always love, um, you know, from from my understanding of the Jones folks is that you know some of them were not you know necessarily tradfi people who had you know been trading options you know their their whole lives. Some of them actually learned um, to become really excellent options traders on the DotX platform, and you know now of course they've they've built a new project on top of it, which I think is uh, is just very cool. And you know I, I think just sort of to to flag this ecosystem effect because I think that's something that you know all of us get really excited about. You know now that there's this you know, fantastic DOPEX platform in place and, you know, additional projects with, you know, relationships with them, um, you know, that's, that just continues to kind of add to, to what's available for people on Arbitrum. Um, Umami works with, you know, I mean, not only do we deploy capital through, through DOPEX, um, but also, you know, we work with the folks at Jones. We've talked with them about building some auto compounders to help, you know, provide additional liquidity to, um, some of their farms, which of course, you know, it all it all circles around because that should eventually add, you know, more more liquidity on you know both sides of options trades on uh, on DOPEX, and you know we work with the mythical folks as well. We're talking about a pretty uh, pretty exciting plan for you know using their model, um, you know, that you guys described very well to uh, to mint some NFTs of our own and, and raise some capital for the project. So you know, I just really love. Seeing that sort of you know synergy and you know growth supporting additional growth um, on the network, um, and I, you know in fact I'll give a shout out um, as you mentioned we have some folks from Jones and some folks from Mythical you know right here on this call so big shout out I would love to hear from you guys later if you're still on um, and yeah I think you know maybe the last thing to flag on on my end and then we can um, you know then I do want to see if Carney wanted to add anything as well and we can open it up to uh, broader questions. But, you know, along with, you know, the options uh, strategy on DOPEX, which you guys have explained very well, you know, I can speak, you know, from my own experience um, at Umami, we also make use of your SSOB vaults, right, which we think are, you know, a really great option for, for single-sided staking. Um, you know, I think a lot of people associate single-sided staking, particularly for really blue-chip tokens like ETH, um, for example, as being, you know, a relatively low yielding strategy, um, but also, you know, fairly low risk. But I think what the the vault strategy for DOPEX offers, and you know, there still is some discretion involved in, you know, sort of what, um, you know, how how one chooses to play a given SSOV vault, which you guys can talk about. But um, you know, there's there's definitely an ability to get, you know, much higher APR than you would from other single sided staking options. I know that you guys provide, you know, RDPX tokens to offset um, losses, making it, you know, a very low, uh, low risk strategy overall, even though the returns are a lot higher than, um, you know, traditional single sided staking. So, you know, that's certainly something that, you know, Umami, which, you know, cares a lot about, you know, stable, um, you know, returns that reduce market risk. That's something we've made use of um, quite a bit with our own treasury deployments, um, but would love um, you know, for either of you guys or both just to, to weigh in a little bit on, you know, how investors should think about that, um, as well as maybe, you know, farming strategies. You know, there, there are other ways to uh, engage in DOPEX 
beyond options that are also, you know, very compelling. So, yeah, we'd love to hear a little bit about that. Mario, so, so what do you think? What should we start with? Yeah, first? sorry, I was, the, it was kind of hacked off of me there at the end. Sorry, I didn't get the, the last part of your question. Really just uh, walking, you know, people through the SSOV vaults, um, you know, and, and any farming strategies as, as well, and, you know, making making listeners and, and other folks aware that, you know, there are, those are also some pretty cool um, ways to to use the DOPEX platform for, you know, low risk returns that are pretty high APY for single-sided staking for the SSOV vaults. Yeah, Hako, I think that would be your question, right? Yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> so, so I think it's, uh, I, I think you know, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting because uh, it's kind of, how to say this? Uh, you could say sky's the limit, but it kind of depends on on how much users are willing to take the risk, right? Because, because uh, what I think is most important to talk about is that, um, that how to say this, like there are some yields that are fairly risk-free and there are yields which you can get, but they are not free. Right, which means you can get them, but one one way something may backfire. So, so for example, if you deposit uh, your assets in a uh, in just a normal farm to farm, uh, or if you deposit your stable coins somewhere to um, a small APR, or if you deposit your ETH, or for example, to Lido to gain gain some yield. Uh, these returns are pretty much close to risk-free because, of course, you have some risk of basically blockchain working, um, no hacks happening, no racks happening. So you kind of take this whole ecosystem risk, but, but broadly you can assume that this is more or less uh, risk-free. But then if you, if you want to indeed uh, consider uh, like Going slightly more digit, and then you would be looking to, to on top of this, uh, use vaults to provide liquidity, like to sell options. Then, on one hand, uh, the returns, if everything goes your way, uh, the returns, the yields might be very, very, very high. Uh, but on the other hand, you need to remember that you are, by doing this, you take the risk, right? So, for example, if you think like I am, for example, if you are, uh, farming token X with a price of 100 today and you think well there is no way we will see 150 uh, in a month from now and you're happy to sell options at 150 then if you are right and the price is below 150 then um, you will on top of your regular farming yields you will collect all the premiums that people pay to you uh, and this would enhance your returns very, very significantly. However, if you if the price is above 150 and you have been selling call options, but suddenly you are the party that has to pay, and suddenly your return uh, goes down, or it could be even negative for the epoch, which means uh, which means there is some risk. But I think it kind of depends how you think about this. Some people think that well, uh, we are very happy to take this risk because. If I would hit $150 for this token, I would sell it anyway. I would be the risking. So, so they are kind of very happy to use this form of uh, of products to do two things at once, far from like three things at once. 
farm the tokens, uh, create kind of a, a sell order, uh, and gain extra yield on top. So, so they think, well, uh, I'm very happy to farm, I'm very happy to get extra yield, and if spot price is above the strike I have chosen, and I was writing, so selling cool options, then I'm fine with kind of having this uh, this position end up being kind of a take profit position, right? Because they, because they would start exceeding at around this level. But also, when we think about some other way, what users can be doing is, for example, we have users that they are, for example, LPing, or they are uh, farming, you know, like very, very traditional way. So, so let's say you are LPing um, DPX ETH, or you are LPing RDPX ETH, or you can be, for example, you know, LPing other tokens uh, which we offer options, and uh, and you can, be, for example, very, very bullish on the token that you are farming, and you can basically take your farm proceeds, and with a portion of your farm proceeds, you can buy options. So this way, uh, if the token goes up, uh, you kind of multiply your payoff. But this is, of course, once again, an uh, exchange of risk. So, so if the market doesn't move your way, uh, you are foregoing a portion of your farms. And if market goes your way, you are kind of multiplying uh, your farms. And I think, you know, there is like, sky is the limit, and I think uh, everyone may have some pretty cool ideas. And as Mario has also mentioned, we have a dedicated community of analysts. So, so people that love like submitting different ideas, trade ideas. So you can also check on our blog what they came up with, because because it's you know it's a basically a fountain of of alpha. Yeah, we got some smart brains in our community. That's for sure. All right. Um, one of the things that I wanted to bring up is um I noticed that one of the things that makes Dopex really stand out is um its use of a to two token system, and there's the rebate DPX token which is rewarded to users who are um you know in the SSOB um vaults. So. How does this all fit together? Like, what are some of the really cool things that after you get these um, rebate tokens, what can you do with them? Mario, are we going to leak the alpha? Yes, we are going to leak some alpha. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean let's, yeah, do it. yeah cool. let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So, long story, yeah, long story short, uh, RDPX is getting the overhaul. Uh, so, to give you some real quick overview, uh, the initial architecture was thought one way, uh, but the team is kind of always trying to find the correct market fit. Then the whole platform kind of evolved into slightly different way than it was initially kind of thought one year ago. And how RDPX was thought last year is slightly different from uh, how the ecosystem looks like. Uh, so that's why uh, RDPX is getting an overhaul. Uh, so, so very say basically our founders thesis uh, paper about RDPX v2. Uh, the RDPX v2 is expected to most likely be live around uh, May, uh, and this would basically mean the, the updated tokenomics for RDPX v2. So, but long story short, in general, the idea is that RDPX will be the token to mint synthetic assets. We have some ideas for different synthetic assets to be rolled out uh, later this year. Uh, plus we have also very funky ideas because you have already seen that on top of like 
very um, very very serious products we also have more fun products as you know we have people like Mario we have people with with diamond peppers uh, as paper for pictures or, or different funky ways so one of the things on top of sense would be for example a yes no volts where you can just can basically bet against other users you know you can feel like doc one and 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 gcr uh, and and you can do the same on using our platform uh later this year and in general the idea would be and was for rtpx to be used to to mint those different synthetic assets uh, most likely initially there will be some kind of like leeway then we want most likely way move into some kind of like factory way uh, but of course, there is one trick with RDPX, which means the price is volatile. It moves a lot, so it's not the like greatest user experience uh, if your price moves a lot and you had to use this asset as a, as a collateral, uh, means synth, and you are still running some liquidation risks. So that's why there is a V2 plan, which would be basically allowed to uh, bond uh, RDPX with stables to, to create uh, a native stablecoin that will be just packed in into into the ecosystem. So, so that's the plan, and we should have more news soon. Okay, that's I mean that that's pretty exciting, and, and you know very uh, you know, honored that you guys chose to chose to share that here. Um, I mean that that's a pretty uh, significant new use case for RDPX, and I guess just just to confirm my understanding, does does this v2 structure does it change kind of the existing um value propositions um or tokenomics features for rdpx beyond that so is this still a uh a token that will not have a cap on on total supply and that will have you know some claim on fees from you know future dopex offerings or you know do those change as well and this will just be primarily an asset for minting the synthetic derivatives against going forward just just curious about that Yes, so, so so the cap would be indeed variable. So so basically speaking, to mint uh, the stablecoin, you would have to burn uh, a DPX. So so that's one thing, but but still, uh, there is the plan to allow minting for rebates uh, down the road, uh, which would also allow uh, minting some RDPX to the users. Which means the overall kind of mint slash burn. Uh, system is, is still in place, but also also we we want to we want to in the end uh, have this ability to mint and burn and burn into a stable coin because that will be basically a better user experience for for everyone looking to to use it to merge into collateralize to synthesize assets. So that would be it pretty much. But I think we should we should have also uh, more kind of news, uh, more updates in the subsequent weeks uh, mm -hmm. because still some points are like kind of work in progress great but that's that's very exciting and again thanks for sharing that with uh with our listeners here i mean i think rdpx was always a, a valuable token and one that you know i think that as people came to understand it better it would be appreciated more and now you know this this additional use case i think is uh you know very significant and exciting so i think um Carney, did you have any other questions on your end? Otherwise, we can open it up yeah. to the audience. Yeah, go ahead. Perfect. So um, one of the other really exciting things is, um, you know, Gopex is expanding uh, not just on Arbitrum, but also across other EVM chains like Avalanche and Binance Smart Chain. But, you know, running uh, options protocol 
across many networks is quite difficult. Like, um, can you tell us a little bit about your ambitions here and how you plan to achieve them? Mario will have once again yeah. like some alpha, can we? <laughs> <laughs> More alpha, huh? Yeah. Um, I mean, our ambitions have always been to go where the liquidity is and go where the people are. And, you know, we kind of found our home base with Arbitrum and we're, we're quite comfortable here. But as you mentioned, we're already on Smart Chain, Binance Smart Chain, on Avalanche. Um, and uh, we have stuff like Metas in the pipeline, which is coming. And, you know, there's, there's more EVM chains coming. But um, there's one interesting thing, um, which uh, is something that was just released called Layer Zero, which uh, will allow us, I mean, I'm not the technical person, so I'm, I'm probably butchering it here, but it would allow us to kind of send messages over to other chains without actually sending, you know, without, without actually triggering something um, natively on there. So it would make it easier to, to bridge over uh, um, certain tokens, but um, yeah, like I said, I probably butchered exactly how it works, but uh, we are very excited about this, and uh, it will definitely will enable us. So what this enables is just to kind of go cross chain to wherever we want, pretty much, right? So they have support for all the EVMs right now, and um, it's kind of uh, they they plan to support everything, you know, Cosmos, Solana within this year, so. We might have a complete connected uh, blockchain space uh, yeah. by the end of the year. That's fantastic. And by the way, can you just, uh, I'm curious, which which project did you say this is? Because we're working yeah, that's, with... Yeah, uh, Layer Zero. Oh, Layer Zero. Okay. Yeah, we're working with a very similar uh, project um, called Socket that's sort of building out, um, you know, similar infrastructure for use cases like that. And, you know, to your point, I mean, the hope will be that you can basically just have, you know, one um, kind of integrated UX where, you know, people can get exposure to, you know, yield and different strategies that happen to be on any chain, right, without needing to go through any manual bridging um, themselves. It's all just under the hood. And I mean, I feel like this is, you know, one of those kind of new um, developments in blockchain infrastructure that is going to, you know, pretty radically change the experience um, for for DeFi users. So that's that's really cool to hear that you know you guys are working with uh, a similar project. And yeah, I'm excited to see where that goes. So I think with that, you know, I know we only have about ten minutes left. Why don't we open this up to the audience? Does anyone have questions? I mean, a lot of great ground covered and some pretty exciting alpha um, dropped um, you know towards the end of our conversation. So. Um, by all means, folks, fire away. I should add for anyone who is in the Umami Discord um, that we have a channel called AMA Questions and Chat um, open to everyone that people can drop questions into as well if, if they're on the Umami Discord. I have a question. Can I have a question? Please. <laughs> yes. So I have a question because but that's also, you know, long story short, uh, because I know that we have many, many people joining us on stage. I also see we have people with mythicals. We have also people with miladies. Shout out to all the miladies, gentlemen. Uh, we will see you in the psychic world one day. So, um, uh, so what I wanted to say is, it's, you know, it's, it's. Uh, I have basically maybe the question to our hosts because uh, one thing I just wanted to say personally is uh, the Umami team are like the biggest hustlers uh, in the space. Because, and you know, uh, 
I think it was yeah. I think we I was talking to someone and 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 they asked me what umami is doing and I just said that umami are like serial entrepreneurs and the guys are basically speaking always trying and they are like you know the, the coolest I think community uh, on the whole chain <laughs> and it's it's pretty cool because you know I was I remember when the guys were running uh, the Arbeis and it was fun uh, there was the two on like the, the OG umami and I also wanted to ask you guys what are you like plans for the near future because 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 I see that you are now rolling forward with the outer compounder but the big brain outer compounder and I think it's like very very exciting because uh, it looks cool so, so I just wanted to ask you guys like yeah awesome no happy, what happy are your plans that. yeah we we appreciate that we we have been uh, we've been hustling hard um, it's been you know really wild uh, past you know, several, several weeks, really, you know, two months now, we launched a strategy about two, two and a half months ago called Umami V2. Um, you know, for those of you who are not um, super familiar with Umami, you know, sort of the TLDRs that we, and we originated as an ohm fork, but we quickly realized that, you know, we can play um, a role on the Arbitrum ecosystem it's really unique um, and has the potential to add a ton of value, but the the Olympus DAO style tokenomics, um, which you know for those who might not know, is sort of very um, emissions heavy rebase models. So you know high APY for staking the token in exchange for you know really really you know rewarded in just you know constant emissions of of the, the project token. We realize that's not something that, that suits us and works for us. So we completely revamped our tokenomics. And so now we have this new model that is, you know, basically basically zero emissions for, for all practical purposes. Um, our goal is to, you know, we, we already have about six million, five and a half, six million of protocol-owned treasury capital. Um, and, you know, we, we deploy it across the Arbitrum network. You know, a lot of the, the hustling that, you know, Halco was, was referencing is we've been, you know, basically trying to sit down and you know get to know every team um, on Arbitrum, every Arbitrum native project, um, projects maybe from Mainnet or, or Polygon moving on to Arbitrum, seeing you know what are what are their liquidity needs, what kinds of you know pain points do they have right now, um, what could we do with our protocol and liquidity to help them stand up you know new markets for their products, help them you know, establish needed liquidity for their token. So we've been you know doing a lot of that with this vision of you know kind of playing this role of onboarding new liquidity from other networks, you know, even from outside of blockchain, onboarding new liquidity, new users onto Arbitrum, you know, in into, you know, protocol-owned treasury liquidity, which then we can use for sort of stable, um, long-term liquidity for partner projects on Arbitrum, you know, rather than sort of mercenary capital that I think you know, has a has a tendency to you know move move in and out of chains, chasing yield, but not provide you know long term um, sustained liquidity for for projects and for the ecosystem. So, you know, that's that's been our vision. Um, we created a really something we're really excited about, which is sort of a total inversion of that old Olympus DAO. Um, not, not 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 to criticize Olympus DAO, but for us, um, for our purposes, that older you know rebase emissions model, we've inverted it so that now we take all that yield that we're generating from deploying capital across Arbitrum, we return it to our holders in the form of almost dividend-like payouts, regular payouts through a product we call Marinate. 
in wrapped ETH. So now, you know, you have this very solid basis for the Umami token. It's not being um, sort of, you know, degraded in value, diluted through emissions. Instead, you have a claim on the treasury, getting regular ETH payouts. That grows as we onboard more capital. Um, and, you know, we keep layering on new products as well, right? So we've got, as you mentioned, um, auto compounders, those generate, you know, those help generate a lot of liquidity and then surge across Arbitrum, and they also produce fees to our treasury. So all of that goes into what gets paid out um, with the ETH um, passive income to our um, Umami holders um, through through that Marinate product. So, you know, we're really excited because we think that this is a very sustainable, um, very long-term model. We like that sort of by its nature, um, and we get to do cool stuff like this, right? I mean, we, we connect with everyone in the ecosystem. Um, it's sort of naturally very positive sum um, and build a lot of partners, figure out how we can be of the most use to the network. Um, and, you know, we have great folks. Um, you know, Winston Wolf was on this call. He's really leading our um, front end, um, sort of on a, on a conceptual design level um, to make it as user friendly as possible to onboard new people to Arbitrum. Um, and, you know, as we had mentioned earlier, um, you know, when I was talking to, to Mario, we are integrating some APIs from a project called Socket and a project called Banksa so that anyone from any chain or even from fiat accounts can just click a button on our user interface and immediately they're aped into, um, into Umami, um, moved right on to Arbitrum Network with, you know, no frictions of bridging or anything like that um, on their end. And then we can deploy that that capital, you know, again to you know awesome partners like DOPEX or you know Jones Dow or, or Mythical, um, and and support the ecosystem. So that's kind of the the vision. We've brought on a lot of full time people. Um, we're working sixteen hours a day, seven days a week. So yeah, if there's been hustling. I think we'd like to hustle a little bit less, um, and we will once we get some of these these key products rolled out. But um, yeah, really. Really appreciate you asking that, and I might actually, just because we've got a great group here, use it as an opportunity to mention that um, by Monday, by Monday, we had to we had to delay a little bit just to make sure that the product was absolutely perfect on testing. But we're going to roll out a new product called the Emumami Auto Compounder. Um, the folks at Dopix have retweeted a thread on it. Will um, there, there's a video actually? If you go to our, everyone here is already on our. Um, Twitter accounts, there's there's a video that walks you through it, just uh, pinned to the top, so I don't need to get into the details, but that's going to be coming out very, very soon, um, next few days, and we're also going to have a new front end completely for Umami that's beautiful, so I, I appreciate you asking, Alco, yeah, that's hopefully a uh, hopefully a helpful overview. I don't know if you have, I know that you're actually an Umami holder, so if you have any other questions, happy to answer them. His wife was staying in the front end. What's that? His wife who staying. Oh yeah. Front end. Good. Yes. Oh, <laughs> don't worry. Umami Chan is going to be there. You're going to see her. She's, she's not going anywhere. Um. Awesome. So yeah. No, thank you for that. Any any other questions from from the community? I see that Fox is horned, so that's that's good. I'm I'm glad Fox. He he was very important actually. He's uh, one of you know, used to help lead this project and you know really awesome guy. So shout out to Fox. Um. Anyone else? Anyone else have any questions? I can't answer uh, when ETH 10K, but I have a feeling that the DOPEX guys are the best people to talk to for that.
What else? Maybe we can leak some alpha, guys. Do we want more alpha leaks? Yeah, maybe we Do can. Do it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> For free? Really? <laughs> but no, that's actually uh, not like alpha alpha leak, but a different kind of alpha leak, which means uh, maybe maybe what what one thing that we also think it's worth mentioning uh, that may have flown under radar. And we will be kind of uh, posting more about this, but I think it's pretty funny. Like w one of the things that our like devs develop, like by the way, uh, was a protocol for TWAP. So basically speaking, if you want to make a large order, large purchase. So for, for example, <laughs> basically if you you know run a treasury or you have a large stack that you need to swap, uh, it turned out that on Arbitrum there was. Like even brought in crypto, there was no TWAP functionality. So basically speaking, uh, right now you can go to our website, you can use the TZWAP. And this thing would basically chop your order into small pieces and execute across a few days. So so this way, if you want to accumulate tokens in silence, uh, you can do this with TZWAP without creating crazy green spike god candles. Uh, which is, I think, also interesting because, I mean, once again, there is like a lot of different usages here and 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 i think it's it's it's, it's interesting because you know uh people here are like very very creative with with, with many things so, so we'll see how it is going to be to be used uh and i have maybe but i think also one one, one pretty cool thing that is also worth mentioning uh, about arbitrum is 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 i think it's pretty cool when you take a look at the at the audience and have of the guys uh, uh, donning some kind of you know arbitrum native uh, NFT or derivative. So so I think it's it looks cool because because I think only ETH uh, arbitrum and I think only AVAX they have this kind of a strength when it comes to the NFTs and like loyalty right. That when like other chains uh, the NFTs didn't really pick up kind of and, and then people trust that arbitrum NFTs are the good ones. I think that's bullish. Yeah, no, totally. That that is uh, that is very cool. Um, I just want to see, you know, before we're we're at three, and I feel like we've had an awesome conversation. I did not expect, you know, three or four alpha leaks from this. So <laughs> that's uh, I don't think it gets much better. This is why people have to listen to Arbitrum Insider, right? Like this is uh, <laughs> thank yeah. you, thank you guys for. Uh, making the use case for this this awesome podcast that we're trying to get started here so um sure yeah, yeah. i, I think, you know what to do you yeah. gotta head over to our easy walk and uh, get busy <laughs> exactly um all right well hey i just let's uh let's all give claps or hearts or whatever to uh this you know, the wonderful folks from dopex halco and mario this was an, a great conversation i'm sure we're gonna be talking about plenty more stuff um but you guys are you know, staples here of the Arbitrum ecosystem, and just really, uh, really proud to to have you on. And let's uh, let's keep chatting, guys. This is great. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for yep. having us, and have a good day, have a good good evening, and a good afternoon. And take care. Right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Take care, guys. Bye, bye.